We are live. Hello. Welcome to the first episode of my podcast. Okay, I don't know why I said it like that, but um, hello, everyone. Welcome. And mom, if it's just you listening, hello. <laughs> this is the start of my podcast, first episode. And first of all, why did I name it Liminal Space? So it's a word that I kind of, or a phrase that I've kind of always just sort of thought about. I actually got it off of Pinterest. And yes, I was a Pinterest girly, but what is a liminal space exactly? So according to Forbes or like just the internet definition of it, a liminal space refers to the space a person is in during a transitional period. It's like a gap, you know, and can be physical, like a doorway or emotional, like a divorce or metaphorical, like a decision. So it's it's quite a it's quite an interesting interesting phrase i would say and it's also like a whole aesthetic that's why i got it off of pinterest if you look up liminal space it, it kind of like you can see it's locations that have this sort of strange vibe like it's a transitioning transitionary period or some of these spaces are usually like kind of abandoned or empty and when you look at these spaces it seems like you know you've been there before, you kind of feel like it, but you don't know, maybe it's from a dream and it's kind of familiar almost, but not really. So yeah, I just thought it's a cool phrase and quite metaphorical in my understanding. So that's why I named my podcast Liminal Space. But yeah, so that is why it is called that. And my name is Claire uh, and I've I'm starting this podcast. Okay. So I kind of wanted this to become a space where I can talk about things that, you know, are happening in culture or sort of my commentary on things that happen in my day to day and observations and just a space for me to talk, but also for people to listen and hopefully start conversations and have feedback and but not. I just, I just want to have a little fun little space that we can all gather and discuss things. So I am from Indonesia and I just moved to London in September. So I asked people on Instagram if they had questions about life here or moving here and just sort of, you know, what's, what's, what's the tea? What's the tea on being in this a huge big new city and uh just life in general so today's episode we're going to be talking about you know moving to london life here and then we're gonna do a little bit of cultural commentary or things that i found on the internet that i found interesting recently and then i'm also going to be talking about emily in paris which i just finished the third season of i have lots to say about that show for some reason and yeah so taking from the questions that I got from Instagram, I'm going to be answering them one by one and I'm going to start with a fun one. So someone submitted kiss, marry, kill, walking, the tube or Uber. So because I don't Uber around that much and it's just it, it's just a car ride, I'm going to change it to the bus. So walking, the tube and bus, tearless, which one's best, whatever. OK, so I would say the tube ranks number one. And this might be controversial, this might be controversial, but I actually really like taking the tube. Like, public transport is amazing here. 
uh, well, the prices are not amazing, but the tube is so fun. It is just like, you know, you're just sitting there on the train, then you get out and it's like a different world because every stop, I swear, has like a different vibe. It's very interesting. But yeah, the tube be fun, but not too late at night because it's scary then. So yeah, I would say marry the tube. Oh, <laughs> no, that sounds that sounds bad. Wait, not, not okay, tearless. Yeah. Marry the tube. Uh second would be walking. Well, the tube again, wait, back to the tube because it's efficient and it's fast, gets me places. Da-da-da. Like, you know, you don't have to worry too much about time because everything's pretty fast and well connected if you're staying within zone one. So yeah, the tube number one, aka marry. Kiss, I would kiss walking because walking around is fun it's a vibe you get those steps in and you know lots to look and see around uh and just like I find the weirdest things or like the the coolest just little strange discoveries while walking often so walking's a vibe walking's a vibe so kiss walking and then I would kill oh I mm, kill the buzz I guess not because like I want it gone but the bus, the bus sometimes gives me anxiety, like getting on the bus, because when you get on the bus, like, and it just like starts to move, like it sways super hard. You have to like grab on the pole to not fall off, fall off or whatever. And that kind of gives me anxiety sometimes. And I don't take the bus that much. Uh, well, I do if it's like short distances, but otherwise it takes a, it takes a while uh, to get places. So, Yeah. I think I'm happy with my with my with my um tier list ranking. First question done. Second question is what is the best way to meet people in London? Uh, I guess it would I would say like it's the same for every sort of city, but because I'm in university, I'm a bit biased, so I would say that uni is a great place to meet people, but like not in classes and stuff. Uh, more like. If you attend like social events or you just like make friends through clubs and societies, like that's such a good way to meet new people. And basically just like showing up kind of like attend events because, you know, being in uni, there's a huge sort of encouragement to be social. So really make use of that, like meet people, talk to them, follow up, like things like that. It's, it's been a good way so far to meet new people. So, yeah. And the next question is, what is something unexpected about London in your experience? Well, maybe something in a general sense. I I feel like everything's been very predictable, like what you hear and like things like it's been it's been pretty predictable. But I have to say a strange experience, like a friggin' uh unexpected one for sure was getting hate crimed on my first day here that was that was not a vibe that was really not a vibe so basically I arrived here back in September in time for uni I think it was a week before university like properly started and I was settling in like getting groceries with my friend and we were walking down the street okay we were walking down I don't remember where it was very close to where I am like just around this area I guess but I was walking down the street with her and during the queen's funeral it was very like empty and quiet so that was trippy for sure because it was like a dead city I was like "Mm, I thought it was supposed to be crowded but that was fine 
So we were walking down the street and then we heard like yelling sounds, but it sounded like quite a far. So it was like, fine, whatever, walking. There were a couple of people, but not really. It was, it was very empty. We were walking down the street and then I think this person, this man was like yelling, like crossed the road so that he, he crossed to where we were to the street that we were walking in and so my friend was on the left side I was on the right we were just walking along this man like storms down like marching like not even walking like full-on marching he was marching and then he yelled super loud but he was like just staring straight ahead he, he didn't look at me or my friend or anything and we were both Asian so this man yells if you are Asian or blah, blah, blah. Like it was really scary. Like, I mean, it was shocking because it was my first day there. I was like, oh my God, wait, am I, am I going to die? Like, this is my first day. I'm already going to die. But luckily he did not look at us, nothing. So it was just, a, it was just, it was, it was strange. It like got my heart pounding for sure, but nothing happened beyond that. So that was the unexpected, something unexpected about London in my experience, I guess. But I mean, hate crimes do happen. Luckily, it did not escalate. So yeah, that's that's my answer. That's my answer. The next question is, what are the biggest differences between life here and life in Indonesia? So one of my friends asked that. And then another friend asked the exact same thing, except what's the difference between life here and life in New Zealand? Because I used to live in New Zealand for almost two years. It was a very brief moment of time. But, you know, I guess living somewhere, you kind of you get familiar with how life is like over there. So I'm going to start with Indonesia because it's my home, obviously. And I would say number one is the culture. And I know this sounds very broad, you know, like, what does that even mean? Like the culture, of course, the culture is different. But I feel like here in London, culture is very international, very global, because everyone is from everywhere. Like you can meet someone from a completely different part of the world one minute and then the next you meet someone else who has a completely different story well same goes for any sort of international city right but it's just so interesting to me how you it's it's a melting pot of different experiences and places so that's huge whereas back home it's like oh yeah like you know i know where you're from what you're kind of background is you know our parents know each other so it's much more of a smaller pool of, of culture I guess and another difference I would say is the sense of individuality that you get when you live in a big city uh, such as London and funny story is I went to some event with a friend and there was this there was this guy that came up to us in a bar and he was like Okay, it was a creepy interaction, to be honest. It was quite creepy because he was obsessed with asking us about, like, where we were from, you know, like, what languages we speak. But but not in a friendly way, like, in a, uh, you know what I mean. If you know, you know. But, yeah, so that. And he said, but he did make a good point. He was like, you know, here in London, like, you could, you know, you could live a double, triple life. Like, you could do whatever you want. And, for example, like uh I could go and like go to work or whatever and then by nighttime I could be like a serial killer and like nobody would know or like something to that effect and me and my friend were like mm, yeah sure 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 maybe don't do that but like I guess his point was you can 
you can be a completely different person. You can live a big, uh, two different lives and in such a big city, like you could get away with it more. Whereas if you're in a smaller, you know, more like a communal community oriented environment, you cannot get away with such things. So I guess I, I understand what, what he meant, what he was trying to say a bit weird, but I get it. I get it. So that, that culture of individuality and, you know, also the very Western idea of individual individualism, I guess, Western individualism was quite um, quote unquote cultural shock just because back home, you know, everybody knows what everyone else is up to and you live in a more community oriented environment where I'm not to say, not to say one is better than the other. It's just completely different. So that's one of the biggest differences for sure. But what I have to say about Indonesia or like home is biased, obviously, because you know, when you have such a strong tie to a place that you call home, it's just completely different and you can't really compare it to anywhere else. So yeah, that is between Indonesia and London. But with New Zealand, for example, uh, I would say, well, I lived in a pretty small city by the ocean and I was only there for high school. But I would say definitely the nature part is 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 much more prominent in New Zealand because obviously like uh, there's a huge culture around sports and around like nature that you just kind of don't get here. Well, you do. You can like go off to Hampstead Heath and like go on a little hike trip or like a. Yeah, I guess I guess London does offer that as well, but not to the extent that New Zealanders like prioritize it. I guess, but in terms of like what to do, also there's just heaps more to do here. In London as a, compared to the two places I've lived in before whereas here it's like there's just so many things to do look and see a lot of it for free as well which is great but a lot are also very much cash extortionate events or uh, locations which is not the best but you just you know the variety is good you you can do uh, if you want to eat out, you can eat out. If you want to go to the mall, there is a mall. If you want to go on a hike, there is some hiking spots. You want to walk through a park, you can. You know, you know what I'm trying to say is, it's uh, an interesting place to just sort of explore because I don't think you can ever be done exploring it. With because every tube stop, like every train station stop, is like a completely different world. I was just talking to my friend about this, but like you get off on one stop and then go to another and it's a completely different vibe but you're still within like 15 minutes walking distance from each other it's very trippy very trippy experience but yeah i would say that those are the biggest differences between these places so anyways moving on from the london q a i kind of want to introduce this segment and it's kind of like an advice column slash love line that people can send over anonymously or not anonymously I don't care <laughs> there's stories or situations and I'll sort of talk about it here you know like uh have some advice or just you know put people's personal stuff on blast I'm kidding consensually of course if you submit it but because this podcast is new I don't have any submissions yet but submissions in the future can be submitted to podcast liminal space at gmail.com so that's podcast liminal space at gmail.com but for now i'm going to be um reading uh reddit posts that was kind of like a thing on twitter for a bit 
like I think a couple of weeks ago, but it's from the very famous subreddit called Reddit r slash am I the asshole. So for anyone who is unfamiliar, it's basically people putting, you know, their situations and their stories and basically asking a bunch of other strangers whether or not they are the asshole in the situation. So one of them is, am I the asshole? So I'm going to start, I'm going to read this to you guys and then kind of talk about it, dissect it, you know, comment on it, of course. So am I the asshole? This person submits, am I the asshole for telling my friend that I have a crush on her boyfriend? Question mark. Okay, I'm going to read the story now. So my good friend and I are usually very close. We are both in our late 20s now, but we've known each other since high school. In all those years, our friendship has never been that rocky until recently. My friend and her boyfriend met about six months ago. I'm currently in grad school and have chosen to remain single. Before they met, my friend and I would hang out at her place when I was done with classes because she lives close by. But about four months ago, the dynamic started to shift to a trio when her boyfriend started to consistently hang out with us. My friend has shown me pictures of him and I always thought he was attractive, but the crush started developing when I met him in person. I won't go into too much detail, but my friend's boyfriend, who I would consider to be a friend now, is honestly so fun to be around. I always looked forward to hanging out with him after class. Aside from looks, bracket, and he's probably the most beautiful man I've ever seen in person, he's really knowledgeable and is a great conversationalist. He's a good storyteller and has a great sense of humor. He's super kind and always checks in with me and seems to know the right words to say to make me feel appreciated. It sounds tropey, but I honestly can't detect anything wrong with him. Which is even more infuriating for me because I actually don't want to have this crush or think about him in a romantic way. Second page. Last week, he went to visit family, so he hasn't been around. Last Friday, my friend wanted to know what I thought about him because they were thinking of moving in together. I basically gave her a rundown similar to the last paragraph and this prompted her to say it sounded like I had a crush on him. She said it in a joking way so I sort of just laughed it off. But then I just sort of blurted out that I honestly think I do have a crush on him. It got super awkward when I said that and I immediately felt like I screwed up. I tried to downplay it by saying that it was probably just hormones and me being single and basically tried to play it off as a joke. Fast forward to Monday when her boyfriend came home and my friend sent me this text. It's verbatim, hey, my name, going forward, I think I need to set some boundaries because I don't want the guy to become an issue with us. Okay, let's give them names. Okay, let's call her Sarah. So, hey, Sarah, going forward, I think I need to set some boundaries because I don't want, let's say, Matt to become an issue with us. I think from now on, we should just hang out in the weekends, just the two of us, if that's okay. It would make me feel better. Call me and we can talk about it more. Love you lots. My usual routine on Mondays was to go hang out with her after my lecture, so I felt kind of blindsided by this. I have not reached out to her since her text. I'm a bit angry with her because I feel like she's implying that she can't trust me around him and now she's depriving me of a genuine friendship that has grown between me and him. But I also want to know if this is something that is entirely my fault. So kind people have read it. Am I the asshole here? So we're going to call the friend uh, Jules. So we have Sarah, Jules, and Matt, right? Sarah is the one writing the post who has a crush on Matt, who is Jules's boyfriend. Uh, I would say, okay, so it's normal for Sarah to feel angry about not being able to see Matt anymore, but it's not 
within her right as in at the end of the day Jules and Matt are the ones who are in a relationship and you know Sarah just said like I have a crush on your boyfriend like it's okay in my opinion for Sarah not Sarah Jules not me confusing myself with these names (laughs) it's okay for Jules to want to set boundaries because like I mean I mean I think it's fair and I think honestly Jules handled it with grace as in she wasn't like mean about it and uh she was actually very graceful about it like that she wanted to make their friendship return to how it was and like you know that it was just the two of them and doesn't have to be revolved around this new boyfriend of hers who her friend is increasingly spending time with Mm. so i also feel like feel like if might be not might be quite unpopular I don't know but I feel like you can control crushes like if you have a crush on someone or something like it's it's just a crush it can you can either treat it as a fleeting feeling that you know isn't going anywhere or you can act upon it and this is where a lot of people like mess up or whatever in relationships because they acted upon it when it could just be a feeling that was sort of recognized as fleeting because you can control your crushes for the most part and I think it's there's a difference between saying oh you're attracted to someone you know whether it's physically or emotionally and acting upon it aka you know actively entertaining those feelings and fantasizing about them etc and like making moves you know when they when you know they're taken but it's 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 normal for other people to want to set boundaries or in the case of Jules and Sarah and Matt for Jules because yes Sarah is her friend but Sarah isn't entitled to Jules's trust on uh the way Sarah would go about the situation you know someone replied to the tweet with a very interesting point you know about a fleeting crush whether or not you can control the feeling and she said or they said maybe it varies from person to person i really do think it's a matter of emotional discipline guided by principles though identify the attraction and then let it go like when you think about that really expensive restaurant spot you want to go to but can't afford let the desire be fleeting that's a very interesting point because uh but then it's hard to translate that when you have feelings for human beings or other human beings you want to explore these emotional connections because people are not like things and when you have desire people tend to you know uh insert their egos upon it as well and i think a lot of people struggle to be truly happy for others when they have something that they also want and I mean, envy is a very normal emotion to feel, I feel, in, um, I feel, I feel, oh my god. <laughs> envy is really normal because at the end of the day, we as human beings, like biologically, we compare each other. We, you know, we, we are in competition or, you know, we just constantly compare ourselves to other people. And whether or not that's toxic, it just is wired in our brains that that's something that we do. So... My point is culture can be very envy driven. Like if somebody has something, you saw it on TikTok, whatever, you can feel like 
I'm, I'm, you know, like that joke, like it's a joke, but not really like, I'm, well, like, I'm so happy that happened to you, but it should have happened to me instead. You know, that kind of tone. Envy drives a lot of social media cloud and just the sort of spaces and in and, and the digital or social media that we see other people being happy because then we're like we we're this goes to another this is another episode for another day but social media encourages us to post the best versions of ourselves and put it out there you know and so when you see that everyone's living their best lives of course you're gonna feel like my life isn't as good so competition right the reddit post i would say that yeah again it's not for sarah's it's not sarah's decision or it's not her right to feel like jules should trust her because this is about like whether or not sarah would have emotional discipline and emotional discipline is like difficult like not most people are not emotionally disciplined you know we are running around like headless chickens out here but you can't expect your friend to trust you when you have a huge massive crush on their boyfriend and yeah i don't think she's an asshole no definitely not crushes are normal but feeling entitled to be like you know being cut off from something that you can't have and you have a crush on it but it's someone else's it's like you know you know you're not an asshole for having a crush on someone but you are if you feel entitled to keep seeing them and keep entertaining and fantasizing about this crush uh regardless you know irrespective of how your friend might feel about it because this is how you know this is how like affairs develop things like that right on a wider note as well it kind of like helps you sort of offload agency to external sources when in reality it's it's about controlling your own thoughts you know this idea of like emotional discipline or emotional restraint in the face of external factors because a lot of people tend to be very resistant to the idea that we can and we should control our own thoughts because you know I was watching uh, Eat, Pray, Love the other day and no, you know, I know criticisms aside, Asian savior, Asian, Asian, not Asian, what is Asian? Like, you know, coming to Asia and having an exotic trip, like criticism aside, I, there was this quote, I think it was, it was the scene where um, Julia, Julia Roberts was in India and she meets this other guy who's like you know also in that meditation space and like just recovering from a really like terrible life or whatever and he says something really interesting he was like you have to control your own thoughts you have to master your own thoughts don't quote me exactly that don't remember what he exactly said but he was like you have to control your own thoughts you have to pick out your thoughts like your clothes in the morning I love that quote. I was like, oh my God, like, absolutely. You have to, you have to uh, pick your own thoughts, be the master of your own thoughts and what happens inside your head. Because you can also think of it like what happens inside your head should feel special and like, you know, sacred or whatever, because our minds are like an ecosystem. There's a whole like forest in there. We want things to grow and to, you know, I think I also read this somewhere else. 
that our minds are kind of like a garden, a beautiful garden. And gardens require, you know, weeding, pruning, and deadheading to stay healthy. Like we need to uh, polish it up time to time, really reflect, you know, clean up the space, uh, revisit old, you know, plants or old thoughts, uh, appreciate the beautiful flowers around there. It's like cheesy, very corny, very cheesy, but it's true. It's like, you know, you have to pick them out at the end of the day. And a lot of people want to be swept, you know, swept up by this like whirlwind romance or this crush or this affair that like just happens out of nowhere. But, you know, you have to control your thoughts, I think. And translating this to the Am I the Asshole Reddit post is quite interesting. I think it's a, I think, uh, yeah, those are my thoughts about that. And if we have, you know, the idea that we have thought patterns, if you have a good thought process and you keep it going, it's going to domino effect to this uh, chain of positivity. But if you also have very cruel and self-punishing, self-fulfilling thoughts, they become cruel thought patterns and fantasies or desires or whatever. And at the end of the day, it will translate and reflect in our behavior. So, yeah. Very easy in theory, obviously. In practice, it might be a different story. But I think I think, really thinking about what happens and what goes inside your head and prioritizing how you can take care of that space is very important in general. doesn't matter who you are or at what stage of life you are in. I think that's pretty important. Okay, next. I didn't say this in the intro at the start, but I'm going to talk about it because I just saw... The movie Megan, you know, M3GAN, <laughs> Megan, uh, the new like thriller slash horror um, slash I would say comedy, but whatever. Um, it's this movie basically about a programmer woman who, oh wait, is programmer the, or artificial, artificial intelligence scientist, I don't know, whatever, this woman who can build robots and she built this Okay, a bit of spoilers ahead, so just click the 15 seconds, like skip, 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 if you haven't seen the movie. I'll do, I won't, I won't spoil everything, of course, I'll just give background context and like, um, a little bit about it, but basically it's about this woman who can build robots, and so she builds one that, uh, for her newly orphaned niece, and then, uh, things go wrong, basically, okay, I'm gonna leave it at that, but this movie is so good like I came in there with no expectations I never watch trailers by the way so with any sort of movie that I'm about to watch I've not seen a trailer in years like I have this thing going on for myself that I don't I refuse to watch trailers because they're spoilers they reveal the entire plot of the movie and I think I I read somewhere that um by read somewhere I meant I probably watched a TikTok whatever that Move, the movie making industry and the trailer making industry is completely different so trailers are meant to you know overhype and sensationalize and cut the best bits of the movie and push them well not push them well edit it into this one two minute video and it's like that's just spoilers right there so you know i don't watch trailers that aside i came into this movie watching experience with no expectations whatsoever and i was blown away this movie is so good Okay, it wasn't like peak, peak cinema, like her or whatever, but it's good. I was like, oh my God, what is this Ex Machina sequel, <laughs> perhaps? But I'm going to go on Letterboxd and read some reviews and have a little laugh because this movie, like go watch it. I forced my like family, entire family to watch it, but 
interesting movie. So <laughs> someone, someone <laughs> freaking made a little made a review and said um, she really thinks Titanium is a lullaby. <laughs> I can't. There were just times where I just had to like hold myself from laughing because some th- some scenes were like so funny. Maybe it's not supposed to be funny. I don't know. It's hilarious to me. And someone else <laughs> wrote a review. Why'd they style her like an orthodox Jewish woman? <laughs> I mean, she has really good outfits, but... Movie Megan. Uh, I think this... Anyways, I'm not going to spoil too much. Everybody go watch it if you haven't. It's just an interesting sort of new space of where horror could go because you know obviously we're having cultural conversations about artificial intelligence you know with the new chat gpt thing whatever lots of new conversations about this and i you know it's it's just very interesting how humans could build something that could ultimately like destroy them or like outsmart them it's very it's very interesting so yeah that's that's my little thoughts about megan and now talking about Emily in Paris so I know this was a while ago that the season three that season three came out and people were talking about it but yeah I just have my own thoughts about it so I've been keeping up with the show from season one two and three and of course like throughout season one I'm like you know I'm watching this ironically you know I know that it's going to be a bad show you know nothing too like critically heavy or like it's not going to be amazing cinematography it's gonna be a fun light show and then I continued with season two season two was like oh okay like whatever like continual story Emily still does the same shit but by season three I'm like fully invested in this storyline like I have to say the character development is like good like as in I care about each of these characters now and I want to know what they're up to and like I guess that's what happens when you keep watching or like keep investing in a show or whatever and I find the show so interesting because it's so like it's I don't know if this is intentional or the whether the filmmakers are doing this on purpose but like I feel like there's a lot of very ironic very tongue-in-cheek feels to the show in that first of all like obviously all the drama that ha- happens and unfolds in the storyline is very inconsequential as in like whatever it's not that big of a deal it's just this girl coming into paris uh having a good life whatever who cares who cares but like that's part of its charm i guess like it's very bubbly and all fun kind of vibe you just kind of like it's it's pure entertainment i think tv should do that like just entertain you you know you don't have to critically analyze it so much and i think we as a culture do love these kind of shows that's why trashy tv exists like love island and whatever i also really like love island by the way but yeah i think emily emily in paris is super interesting and another theme that i've kind of like picked up on in the show themes on american interventionism like there's just such such a theme about that so uh you know i study these kind of things like international relations and whatnot and we know like american interventionism is a big thing with their whole like marching into a whole new territory and changing things up to be how they'd like it to be like you know 
if we look at previous wars and just American foreign policy, that kind of thing. And it's really reflected in the show. Like, am I reading too much into it? Probably. But I picked up the idea that sort of Emily goes to Paris, not speaking a lick of French, and she somehow survives throughout the whole ordeal. And she manages to, like, incentivize everyone into ultimately liking her, even this, like, boss that, like, hates her at the start. And, yeah, it's giving American interventionism very, yeah, very interesting parallels there. And I also really like the strong matriarchs in the show, like Sylvie, for example. She's a very cool, she's a very cool character, I think. But yeah, I'm fully invested. I don't know when season four is coming out, but I will be tuning in. I will be. But I have to say with the ending of season three, okay, skip again if you haven't seen it. But it's giving Sinetron, like, to my Indonesian friends or whoever's listening and understands what I mean, it's very, like, soap opera-ish, the ending. Okay, that wasn't even a spoiler. That was just, like, a little note to point out. But Emily in Paris, interesting show. I, it's fun. It's just fun. What can I say? Speaking of Paris, I've also seen a lot of people, like, posting and talking about, obviously, the latest collections from Paris Fashion Week or Couture Fashion Week and you know people obviously when they see like strange pieces on the runway like if you see the latest Elsa Schiaparelli collection they had uh these like 3D like lion sculptures like popping out of the dress or Victor and Rolf who did like the model wearing a dress that isn't a dress so it goes like sideways okay i don't know how to describe this okay let me let me try to paint a visual picture but you can just google it to see what i mean but it's like a a dress that goes sideways so instead of you know vertically how we would wear it it goes sideways like a it's like a sculpture so you have like the the top bit protruding from the left side and then like the 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 ends of the dress like on the other side and, like, people were posting it on Instagram, like, clowning it, you know, like, ew, like, wh- who is going to wear this? is not going to wear, you know, this is not wearable. Like, why are uh, fashion brands, like, doing, high fashion brands, like, doing these weird-ass pieces? But, like, it will always remain embarrassing to me when people clown, like, unwearable fashion, we'll call it, because this stuff exists for a reason. Like, I think it reflects the public's inability to perceive, you know, fashion or shows uh as an art form because i truly think this this also can tie into the whole like sustainability conversation because people are so obsessed with having wearable items you know what to consume and consume whereas there is a whole other way to see it as fashion being a visual art or like a like clothes don't always you know like fashion brands don't exist solely to produce clothes that are wearable like it's an art form you know that the freedom that you get from creating these sort of pieces of art is is part of the vision like they're not just making clothes i feel to you know to be wearable and to end up in the stores and in the racks but they're kind of providing the public with a mood board they're giving people an idea of the feel and the themes or the artistic sort of craft and atmosphere of a collection through these shows so and of course like 
it also brings in media attention when there's this like outrage about like yo like what is this piece like it's very strange but yeah i think fashion should be seen and viewed as a visual art as well and the more we're able to appreciate this you know the less consumeristic we might feel uh and you know not to simply wear things because they're trendy or that we can see them being 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 worn as like throwaway clothes but more of an art form a visual way of communicating to the audience like what you're wearing so yeah, that's what i think that's what i think about when people like say like oh you know like why why are they like producing this like you can't even wear it <laughs> so i've been speaking for 40 minutes now recording live for 40 minutes and i think this is where i'm gonna cap the end i've covered a lot of ground today so i will see you all in the next episode i hope you enjoyed message me if you have any feedback or suggestions on what you want me to talk about uh i this was fun and i'll see you next time bye